We are here with a special Thanksgiving crossover Thursday. Kevin Ostrecker of Locked On Ravens here with Jeff Lloyd of Locked On Browns. And on behalf of the entire Locked On Podcast Network, a very happy Thanksgiving, everybody out there. Hopefully it's full of great food and family and friends and everything uninvolved with that. So, Jeff, we have a Week 12 matchup here with the Ravens and the Browns, which should be a good one. Prime time. A very happy Thanksgiving to you as well, my friend. How are you doing today? Uh, good, Kevin. Um, and first things first, when I saw the schedule this week, and it's, it's always nice of, you know, the network to say, hey, you know, look, we understand it's a holiday. You know, you guys can get this one off. And for back in my head is it's, and you know, Kevin, because I sent a message right to, it's Browns Ravens week. Like, I mean, we're not going to do this, especially, you know, where both teams are, the way the AFC North is jumbled together. Um, and the fact that they play Sunday night, um, look, there's plenty of time to, you know, get to the turkey, the ham debates. Uh, the side dish debates, all of that stuff. Um, but for both these teams, this is an enormous week. I mean, the Ravens can maybe get themselves some much-needed breathing room. The Browns, I mean, if it's not now, when is it going to be that this team can finally get it up and get uh, you know get ready, get excited for you know and, and get something accomplished against a big-time opponent this year? It's you know this is a paramount week, paramount matchup, certainly you know in all the lights and glitz of Sunday night and with Chris Collinsworth in the slide. <laughs> yeah, you know, that, that slide will always be there and always be a big part of Sunday night football. But, you know, Jeff, this Browns team is a very interesting one. Obviously, the hype coming into the season was really around the Ravens and the Browns for the AFC North crown. You know, you had Pittsburgh and Cincinnati kind of in there a little bit, but this Browns team is 6-5, and five, and I think one of the bigger storylines is Baker Mayfield and just how he has played this year. Now, he is probably one of the, if not the most injured player in the NFL at this point, and I'm curious to hear about just what the mood in Cleveland is surrounding Baker Mayfield right now, because I think it's a very, it's a controversial topic in some senses, because Mayfield is definitely not the player he was because of the injuries holding him back a little bit. He still wants to go out there, still wants to compete and be a competitive player with his teammates. But is there any sense in Cleveland right now that he is not the best man for the job, either this season or even for the future, because of one, the injuries, or two, what some people are calling a bit of mediocre play? Look, it's fair to say that this offense is certainly not where it needs to be. And, and you know, and I've had to go through this daily. And, you know, for me, Kevin, to take, you know, time away from Twitter and social media just tells you how ridiculous things get. Cause I normally love to get in there and mix it up. But, you know, Miles Garrett, and this is the craziest thing about it. Miles Garrett gets more defended for missing the latter part of 2019 for what he did to Mason Rudolph than what Baker Mayfield is doing right now for this franchise. Should he really be out there? Probably not. Um, but you know what he says in his mindset? I'm good enough to be out there. And it's look, and basically what he says is it's not my right arm. And if it's not my right arm, then I can go out there and do my job to. X amount, X percentage, and, and do what's asked of me. So the fact that he's getting a hard time of it. And look, you know, the Browns were going to finish this season with Odell Beckham Jr. before that all exploded. So, and this is where, you know, gets to your point. You were about to make some long-term decisions on this franchise based on, you didn't really have concrete evidence. You had Odell here. It was the thing that never worked. You wanted to get him involved, but it was simple. Baker was better when you were not trying to feature Odell Beckham Jr., now, even more dinged up. But let's talk about this. Jarvis Landry didn't practice today. Donovan Peoples-Jones didn't play Sunday. He's injured. Um, your rookie third-round pick, Anthony Schwartz, still in the concussion protocol. He didn't play this week. So everybody wants to get on him about his, his play last week against the Detroit Lions. And I get it. It wasn't great. 
But right now, Donovan Peoples-Jones is the number one wide receiver for the Cleveland Browns. He didn't play last Sunday. Anthony Schwartz didn't play last Sunday. Jarvis Landry played last Sunday. Dinged. And, you know, not a knock on Jarvis. He's out there doing everything he can. But it seems like it's okay to make excuses and understand the situation for other things around this team. But you know what, Baker Mayfield? You better go out there and hook up with Jamarcus Bradley six times for 120 yards and a touchdown. It's not that easy. And I know a lot of people think I'm giving more assistance and aid to this, but I'm just understanding the situation for the realism that it is. Losing and missing Kareem Hunt for the past five weeks has been huge. You blend that into the fact that you, you know, there were times you didn't have Nick Chubb either. This is a focal point and probably the focal point of the Browns offense. Look, it's really, really difficult to say, oh my God, they had all these great skill players. But every week, somebody's in, somebody's out, and they've never really had all these great skill players. Yeah, and, you know, the Ravens can relate to, to having those guys in and out of almost course. every single week. You know, injuries have been a big part for a lot of teams, but I think the Ravens and the Browns have dealt with it a lot over the course of this season. But, Jeff, moving to the Browns' defense, you know, this is a unit that, you know, you look at the actual box score stats, they're a top 10 defense in net yards per attempt allowed through the air. You know, they're, they're top six in rushing with 4.1 yards allowed on the ground per attempt. I mean, this is a defense that has shown strength. It's also shown weakness at times. Where are you in terms of how good this Browns defense has been this season? One thing, and you know, you always get this when a team puts a lot of emphasis in acquisitions on the defensive side of the ball. And early in the season, and like we tried to you know explain to people, look, it's not going to come together that quickly. It just doesn't work that way on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and even still, like you know, wide receivers, quarterbacks, tight ends, you can all go do this throwing, and you learn to you know, you know, what each other's tendencies are. It doesn't work that way with defense. You could do all the things together, work out together. It doesn't work until you actually start taking reps together and say, oh, you know what? When this guy's moving this way, you know what? He's intelligent enough to make sure that he's going to keep him, you know, flowing back towards the defense. Or you, you, you just don't get that type of thing otherwise. So it took some time, obviously. And as it's taken some time, there's some things we've seen. The Browns, I don't want to say it's a mistake with John Johnson III. They paid him a ton of money. And maybe John Johnson III was great in L.A., but he may not be great in exactly what Joe Woods is asking him to do. There's week where Joe Woods knows exactly what his defense is and how to play it. You go to the Cincinnati game. You walked in there. You threw Jamar Chase around. You made Joe Burrow look bad. You took these three cornerbacks, Greedy Williams, Greg Newsom, Denzel Ward, and even Troy Hill, said, look, I want you to play physical. I want you to play one-on-one. And guess what? It worked. You go to New England, a rookie quarterback. And what'd you say? Ah, we're going to play some soft zone, see if the kid can pick us apart. Well, guess what? He got picked apart and picked apart really, really badly. Um, the other thing is what we're starting to see now, and there's times where it's better, times where it's not, is the defensive tackle position. They all they have a bunch. Well, I mean, Malik McDowell, Malik Jackson, these guys are bigger athletic guys, not your traditional 320, 330 pluggers. They're good getting after the passer. They're good on quick hitters in the running game. But if it comes down to mano a mano or a double team, they're getting pushed off the ball. We've seen a little bit over the last couple of weeks that Tommy Togiai, a rookie they invested in. He's showing that maybe he can be a little bit of a difference there. Jordan Elliott is a guy who can do a little bit of both. I've been talking about maybe these two players should be playing earlier in the down sequence, first and 10, you know, second and fives maybe. And then you have Malik Jackson, Malik McDowell to play in the, in the, the pass defense options. But this is the thing, Kevin. There's no way around it. They went an athletic, faster, 
defensive front route for one reason, one reason only. The Lamar Jacksons of the world, the Josh Allens of the world, the Patrick Mahomeses of the world. They're going to come into this pretty healthy. They're going to roll five deep at corner. All their safeties are healthy. Uh, you have Miles Garrett. Jadavion Clowney, yes, he's dinged up, which he always is, and that's just what you deal with with a player like him. Zach McKinley, full practice today, didn't play last week. They pretty much have the complement on defense that was their vision to be able to give the Ravens defense hopefully all they can handle. We'll see if it's going to come to fruition. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, for a player like Lamar Jackson, for an offense like Baltimore's, you have to put some, you know, special preparations in place, sign some players who can maybe help with that. I know the Browns, both in free agency and the draft, were able to put together a defense they thought was good. And we'll see what happens on Sunday night. We'll head into our first break here, though. We'll make it back. I'll be putting the hot seat. Jeff will be asking me Ravens questions. So stay tuned for that. And we'll be right back. Once again, thank everybody for joining us for a crossover Thursday. Uh, we appreciate everybody makes Locked On Ravens, Locked On Browns, your first listen day in, day out, uh, in between bites of turkey, stuffing, ham, whatever, as long as it's not the green bean casserole. We appreciate you all for being wrong for the ride here. Kevin, it's been interesting, and this is the first thing I want to get to because yeah, I, I, I've, I've been a part of watching so many Ravens games the last couple of years, this year's included, and I see my Browns fans on social media. Oh, the Ravens are down 10. The Ravens are down 13. And we're and for me and you know a bunch of other guys who do content, it's like, yo, slow down. We've seen this routine one too many times. And then you get up, you get a drink, you know, you check in on the wife and kids, you sit back down. Oh, what do you know? Ravens are only down three. Oh, other team's putting. What is the resiliency factor there with this team? They never, they they certainly play with this type of mentality that it's never over and we're never out of it. No, no, it's never over for this team. And the resiliency has been unbelievable this season for the Ravens because you have to look at this as a team that's gone through so many different injuries. You talk about J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards and Marcus Peters and Ronnie Stanley. I could talk with you about injuries for 50 minutes. But the Ravens have shown that it's next man up. They believe in their guys. The coaches believe in the players and the players believe in their coaches. And they've put themselves in situations sometimes where, yes, it hasn't been perfect. It hasn't been pretty. First halves of games, they've sometimes struggled to get off the fast starts. And that will put them down in those 10 points, 14 points, 17 point holes. And they'll come back and then they'll win the football game. And that's not a situation that you want to be in all the time. You want to get off to the fast start. You want to be able to use your ball control offense. And that's exactly, you know, what teams strive for. But when you do get down, I know there have been the narratives surrounding Lamar Jackson and this Ravens offense that they can't come from behind. If they get down, you they can't throw the ball. But the passing offense has taken a very big leap this season. Lamar Jackson in this fourth season has played very, very well, both in the run and the pass game. It's pretty much their entire run offense because the running backs haven't been playing that well this season. And he's also taken that leap in the passing game. But for a defense, sometimes it's a struggle with big plays and big moments. They still are able to overcome that. They're able to overcome the slow starts and finish strong, although we did kind of see it catch up to them in Miami because they didn't start fast there. Miami was playing blitz the entire game, cover zero, cover zero. Lamar Jackson wasn't able to adjust. The Ravens offense, Greg Roman, whoever, they weren't able to adjust. But they've shown resilience throughout this season. I'm very impressed. You know, seven and three, considering all the injuries they've gone through and what they've had to go through is very impressive, and I think it does speak to their resiliency. And I, I do want to say this here, um, because you know, as much as Browns fans, you know, uh, you know, with what's gone at the wide receiver position, it's not really undifferent from what went on to the Ravens here. I mean, Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, these were supposed to be the guys, and you know, now we finally think we found wide receivers who pair well with Lamar, 
We've got JK. We've got Gus, Gus Edwards. Next thing you know, Dobbins is gone. Edwards is gone. Bateman misses obviously a lot of time early in the season to begin with. And so it's not like, you know, and this is for you look, I mean, yes, injuries stink. They suck as a fan. They suck as you know, guys who cover these teams. And it's difficult to have to say, all right, well, what can you do now? But it's not like everybody, it's not like any team is the only team going through it. Everybody has to deal with it and has to adjust. I do want to get to this year. And it's been in drips and drabs, and there's been guys ins and in and out. But Kevin, we've talked about this a lot over the years about, you know, is it Lamar? Is it the wide receivers? Are they ever going to be able to find that group that works and meshes with Lamar? Are they patient enough route runners to understand that sometimes even though you're open, he's not going to give up an open 30 yards of green grass and you just kind of got to deal with it. But it seems now they're starting to trend to that way where they have this group that kind of complements A, the throws that Lamar is the most comfortable with, and also the areas of the field where Lamar vision-wise sees the best. Yeah, and I think credit to Lamar Jackson, you know, the the areas where he is comfortable throwing have improved and increased over the course of his NFL career. Coming out of college, you know, most like anybody who comes out, there are areas of the game where, you know, he has to improve and learn. And I think he's done that, especially as we've seen the leap in year four where he just looks calm in the pocket, collected. He's not panicking as much. You know, there are a lot of throws that he makes that you think, how in the world did he make that? They're throws to the outside, throws to the middle of the field. They're everywhere. But for the wide receivers, this is by far the best receiving core that Jackson has had over the course of his career. You know, he was throwing to guys like Seth Roberts, Willie Sneed, Michael Crabtree. And, you know, no no, no bashing on him. But I, I personally, Jeff, I would rather have Marquise Brown and Rashad Bateman and sure. even a Sammy Watkins type player. And I, I think... You know, it's kind of the same thing with the receivers, too. Marquise Brown came into the league as a very small guy. You know, he hasn't necessarily grown, but he's gotten stronger. He's improved in his route running and his area, and he looks super fast off the line, is able to cut in and out, does a really good job. He's not just a deep threat, as some people kind of classify him as. Rashad Bateman, after missing the first five weeks of the regular season, has come in and is a chain mover, pass interference guy. He draws a lot of pass interference calls. So Lamar Jackson is having those compliments now, not to mention Mark Andrews, who is one of the best tight ends in the NFL. That's somebody who I think is probably his most trusted security blanket. So, you know, it's not just a matter of, hey, is Lamar Jackson improving? It's a matter of, can you put the pieces around Lamar Jackson to be successful? It's something that a lot of people were worried about coming into this offseason or the 2021 offseason because it was like, you know, he's been throwing to all these guys that aren't a, aren't a DeAndre Hopkins or a Stephon Diggs, people that the Bills and the Cardinals went out to get for their quarterbacks. So the Ravens draft Marquise Brown in the first round. They invest another first-round pick in Rashad Bateman. They bring in Sammy Watkins. But I think it's a testament to both Lamar Jackson and the receivers throughout this pa- passing offense has improved because it does look a lot better than it has in recent years. There's no question about it. And I, I think it, it just complements – you know, the abilities that Lamar, you know, obviously the just God given abilities, you know, that, you know, you know, he can rush for 120, 130 on any given Sunday. Um, one I do want to get to here. Um, I think this defense, and it's weird to say it, it's an un-Raven like defense. And it's weird to see that, you know, Kevin, I've been on, you know, Brown's side here for years. I've seen defensive gaffes for years. You know, it's nothing I'm like, but to actually see this go on with a Baltimore Raven defense. Um, and look, there were a lot of changes made there. You know, I think Owa is going to be a fantastic, fantastic addition. And what do you know, even though he didn't get a sack in college, he was able to make that work in the NFL. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Um, but it seems like, you know, in a lot of these games that we're talking about where the Ravens were slow to get going, you know, normally you say, well, hey, D, can you do some heavy lifting? You know, like these guys get paid too. We got to, you know, figure out exactly what's going on. 
we got to, you know, basically, you know, manipulate ourselves on the fly here to find out what's working for us. Um, but the defense, it, it's it, it's kind of scattered at times for the Ravens. And to see wide open guys, the Miami game, not, I mean, blew me away. And it was, you know, there were times where, my, I mean, like, you know, Tua barely was out there, you know, as far as what he could physically do. But it's like, well, good Lord. I mean, Kevin, you or I could hit a guy who was wide open by 25 yards. Yeah, you know, this defense, Jeff, has been such an interesting case study this year because they have a bunch of these really good things they're doing. They're the number one third down defense this season. They're the number one red zone defense this season. But they're a bottom five in almost every pass defense category there is. And part of it is because just untimely big plays. And every week on Locked on Ravens, I talk about how limiting the big plays will do so much for this defense and every week they just haven't been able to really get over that hump. And before that, you know, also there was the tackling issues. The Ravens were one of the worst tackling teams for a very long time early in the season. But in, in order for a defense to really have success at the NFL level, it doesn't matter if you can stop a team for three consecutive drives. You know, if, if they end up scoring a touchdown on a busted coverage, then that's six points right there, maybe seven, maybe eight, depending on the two-point conversion or extra point. So, you know, I think, it, you know, I, I hate to keep going back to injuries because you mentioned it, Jeff, every team does deal with it to some extent. But the Ravens lost Marcus Peters in that secondary, a huge, huge blow. Deshaun Elliott went down in week nine. That's another huge blow. So they're dealing with inexperienced players who are rookies or second year guys who in a very complex Don Martindale defense, a very exotic blitzing scheme defense. It's hard to pick up. You know, Earl Thomas came in in 2019 and, and look, we all know what happened off the field with that, but <laughs> on the field, he was a very good player for them. He even said he was having a bit of difficulty and he even complimented Chuck Clark and said, I don't know why I'm here. This guy, Chuck Clark is, is super smart. One of the smartest players I've seen. Clark is really the glue guy of this defense, really high football IQ. And you have players like Marlon Humphrey and Anthony Avery who's been playing well and Chuck Clark. But for some reason, the secondary just hasn't gotten it together, I think, is part communication. The pass rush hasn't been amazing this season. This season has improved, but it hasn't been the best. So I think the injuries have taken a toll, but also it's just the big plays, the momentum killers that have taken a toll on this defense as well. Yeah, and it's been tough to watch. I mean, because, you know, this was always the calling card and the blueprint, uh, you know, of what the Baltimore Ravens, you know, franchise was. Uh, folks, we've been moving through here on Crossover Thursday, some Browns, uh, some Ravens talk. Uh, we got here a little bit maybe where the injuries currently are here, some thoughts here for Sunday night coming up, and it's going to be a good one. Um, if you guys are big fans of Kevin, big fan of myself, you know, let me drop a little Venmo here. It's going to be a, a big, big coffee evening Sunday with the 820 uh, kickoff. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to get to it in a little bit more here, but we appreciate everybody for taking some time out of your Thanksgiving to join us here on Crossover Thursday on the Locked On Podcast Network. We are back. It's our final segment of this special Thanksgiving edition Crossover Thursday. Kevin Ostriker, Locked On Ravens, still here with Jeff Lloyd of Locked On Browns. And Jeff, as we've kind of talked about throughout the show so far, injuries have taken a toll on both teams. I think the Ravens, by far one of the most snake-bitten teams, if not the most snake-bitten team in the NFL with injuries at any given time. They've had 13 players, 17 players on injured reserve. Their injury report for Week 11 spans 17 players long, their final injury report. So they're missing guys both on a weekly basis and for the year. But injuries are a big part of this matchup for sure, because there are going to be some key players potentially missing this game. And I wanted to ask you about the Browns initial injury report on Wednesday. What are the biggest names on that injury report and your feeling as if they could go on Sunday? Well, you know, to agree to your point, Kevin, um, when you open up your phone to check the injury report real quick, when you've got to scroll up once or twice 
you know, you know, you've got a serious situation on your hands. Um, probably the two most important Browns wise, they're not on the injury report because obviously both are still, you know, on injured reserve, Kareem Hunt, Jack Conklin. Um, what it is, is you, you know, Hunt, Chubb, and it's just so much more. Look, I think most teams know what's going to happen when Nick Chubb's on the field. Somehow, some way he's going to get the ball. Um, when Kareem comes on the field, there's so much more you can do with a Kareem Hunt type of player. Uh, Kareem, in my opinion, looks like trending well. I mean, the videos we saw today look good. I mean, the footwork looks good. The cutting ability looks there. We are now like 39 days removed, you know, from the injury against the Arizona Cardinals with the calf injury. So you got to think. And, you know, this would be, you know, if you're not playing them this week, you're going to hold them out another two weeks for the rematch. Um, basically, I think you're going to think, yeah, we're going to see what we can get out of them. And we can nurse him through a bye, and hopefully he's available again for the second game with the Ravens. Jack Conklin's a little different. Um, you know, Blake Hance hasn't played that well. And the weirdest thing about Blake Hance is he played well as the backup left tackle, graded over 70 for, you know, according to PFF, over three starts. As the right tackle, abysmal, abysmal. He has not played well at all. So, but with Conklin, he's more of an athletic type of an offensive lineman. So when he's dinged or injured, he doesn't have the raw overall power, strength of a lot of offensive linemen in the NFL. So we'll see on Conklin. For me, that's the one I'm not positive on. I think Hunt's going to be there. Donovan Peoples-Jones, this was a guy who was questionable going into last Sunday. He didn't practice today. He did the bike duty. Look, the Browns really need him um, because they need somebody that can go vertical. If you're running out Jarvis Landry, Rashard Higgins, and Jamarcus Bradley, who played pretty well last week, um, but no, it doesn't normally dress. There's no scare of anything vertical. So I think they're maybe just easing and you know, trying to get him through the process to have Donovan Peoples Jones out there. You saw in the Cincinnati game, two receptions only, but both big, long vertical, 160, you know, 128, 129. And as you said, and as I asked you about, there's a there's that thing there. There's that possibility there of that opening to go vertical and to get gaffes in this Ravens secondary, but you're not going to be able to do that unless you have a player like Donovan Peoples-Jones. So those for me are probably the key. Um, look, it's no different for you, Kevin, because I went through it and it's, it's long. Um, and maybe just start with Lamar because it's always weird. It's specifically when we're talking about health wise and I correct me if I'm wrong, but practice Thursday, then was out Friday, didn't play Sunday, but here we are on Wednesday and, Practiced in full. Yeah, it's a really weird situation. I'll flip-flop you a little bit. He didn't practice on Thursday. He then returned on Friday. And everybody's like, all right, yeah, he returned on Friday. That's awesome. He's going to play. He said he was 100%. On Saturday, they add him back to the injury report. He said he's questionable with the illness. And on Sunday, you know, apparently they did, every, they did everything they could. They gave him my visa. They did this, that, and the other. But he just was not feeling good at all. And he, he did return to practice on Wednesday. He, he did pl- practice and he did say, you know, he's feeling 120%. So hopefully that does bode well. But after what happened last week, I'm not going to make any guarantees to say, yeah, he's going to play because maybe there's another thing that happens, but it's good to see him at least back at practice and just doing stuff there. But, you know, you, you said start with Lamar Jackson. I don't know if there's ever an end to this injury report because it, it is so long and you have to kind of zoom in on it on the graphic to see everybody who's out. The Ravens were missing four cornerbacks on Wednesday. They only dressed three on in week 11 against the Bears, and one of them got injured for a, a series or two. So they're dealing with the secondary. 
And then you also have Clayus Campbell who's currently in the concussion protocol. So hopefully he'll be able to recover it and be ready for week 12 against Cleveland. But, you know, concussions are always kind of a, a iffy thing in this day and age. And so we'll, we'll see what happens there. Josh Bynes added to the injury report. He had a hip thing. You could talk about the corners and Anthony Avery is very important to this team. Tavon Young, Chris Westry, Jimmy Smith. So Marlon Humphrey's still out there, but it's who's behind Marlon Humphrey that's really going to get the run. <laughs> The Ravens have just so many injuries all over the place. Patrick McCarry, who was playing very well at right tackle, he returned in week 11, but he did not practice. I anticipate he would probably play them, maybe just holding him out, you know, don't want to give him the initial practice. But again, it's just such a long-winded injury report where you can look at it. You, you give Justin Houston some rest, so nothing wrong with him. But, you know, by the time Friday rolls around, how many guys are going to be injured or how many guys are going to be questionable or out? Who's going to get injured in practice? We, we've seen multiple times this season where somebody gets added to the injury report midweek because they get hurt in practice. Devin Duvernay is another one of those players. Yeah, Marquise Brown, he did return on a limited basis, so that is good news for the Ravens. So if Jackson and Brown are able to play, that's a really big deal. But I think just, you know, as we've talked about, Injuries for this Ravens team has really impacted their play. I'm very impressed. They're seven and three. Obviously, it's impacted the Browns too. Don't get me wrong. But the Ravens, when you look at that injury report, you see everybody who's not practicing, especially on a Wednesday. Usually, you, you kind of bring guys along throughout the week. So Wednesday's injury report could be a bit longer than others because of rest and whatnot. But I do think it's really important that the Ravens get some guys back in this one because Cleveland divisional games always have some extra oomph to them. And I think this one could set up to be a very, very good game, especially when you put into account the the Baltimore by Baltimore for Cleveland. You have Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Cleveland for Baltimore. So these two teams will be very familiar with each other by the time week 14 is finished. And Jeff, I do want to get your thoughts on this game here. You know, the Browns will be traveling to MT make stadium in prime time. How do you feel this one goes? Look, I, for me, I, I don't necessarily, you know, want to say or need victory. I need to see something similar to the second matchup last year. You know, I need to see this Browns offense because, look, the way it's going, even if he finds some way to eke this out, I don't see any damage being done in the playoffs. This offense is in serious need of correction. Do I think Donovan Peoples-Jones playing is capable of that, if he could have Anthony Schwartz? There's just something where it just seems so gun-shy about it all. And the thing is, you know, and they're trying to kind of nickel and dime some situations that's really never been Baker Mayfield. He hits a shot play. He hits two shot plays. He's he's uncontrollable. He he is just so fired up that he's able to play so much better after that. You know, he gets that initial, you know, chunky yardage where he knows something went right. And look, some of this is also on the offense coordinator. There's been so many times where, you know, I've watched Kevin Spansky and it was left, right, like and, and just basically like a windshield wiper offense where you see the defense, all right, they're going to go right. And guess what? Something went to the left. And there seems to be a, a lack of that. And look, it's a short time to do it, and you're going against the Ravens, which has always obviously been a tough matchup for them. I, th It's back against the wall type of mentality. There were times last year, certainly going down the stretch, their backs were against the wall. They found their way into the playoffs. You went into Pittsburgh. Coach Stefanski was home on his couch. You were missing guys back against the wall. They were able to do it. If it's not going to be this week, Kevin, it's going to be getting really close to draft talk here on Locked On Browns, and I do not want to go there. I think they're going to come in. I think they're going to show well. I think a lot of it is going to come down to the defense. Can the defense keep this in a manageable number, 20 or less? 
because I'm not sure if this gets into a game where we're playing high 20s, 30s, this Browns offense is capable of playing that game. Yeah, it'll be really interesting. And I know, you know, we talk about the two and three weeks for both teams facing each other. I think it's it's really hard to see the Ravens sweeping the Browns, really hard to see the Browns sweeping the Ravens. I think this is a split, but I think each team wins the home game. I'm, I'm picking Baltimore in this one, and I think it'll be big for their confidence to get a win in this. Now, it's, it's for both teams, right? This is a divisional matchup, really huge game. And especially in a primes, I mean, we all know what happened in that last primes game, how good of a game it was overall, regardless of who won or who lost. But I'll but be honest, I, think- I, I, lost, I lost my coverage aspect. For me, it was kind of like, can we just play like five more series <laughs> of peace and just let this go on? Because that's how much fun it was. I mean, like there was a point where like, I mean, it was, it, it felt like the defenses weren't even on the field. That's how well the offenses were rolling. It was it was every time an offense got the ball, it was you know they're going to score. You know it was yeah. every time back forth, back forth, and I think you know the injuries have kind of depleted both teams a little bit this season. There might not be as much firepower on both offenses when you look at the Ravens' run game and the Browns' receivers, but I still think this shapes up to be a really good game. I think it could come down to the defense, which you know if you're betting on the Ravens' pass defense, I don't know how good you feel about that. If Brown's consistency. I don't know how good you feel about that. Maybe it just comes down to special teams. And you talk about, are you taking Justin Tucker in the situation? I mean, I'm, I'm probably taking Justin Tucker in any situation when it comes to special teams. So I'm going to say it'll be a close one. I think one. most people are taking Justin Tucker in this yeah, situation. Seriously, in every special team situation. I'm going to say 31-28, literally Justin Tucker, Ravens. I think I could see the Browns offense putting up some more points than some people anticipate. But I think the Ravens should start this one off fast. If they don't, they could be in a bit of trouble. But I think this, again, a good game is on the horizon. But, Jeff, I think that's all we have here. Thank you so much for joining me here on this special Thanksgiving edition episode. A very happy Thanksgiving again to you. And we'll be talking again very soon. Uh, yeah, Kevin. Uh, I mean, I guess we're going to run this stuff back here in about uh, two weeks or so. Um, but to everybody you know who listens to Lockdown Ravens, Lockdown Browns, everybody listens to Lockdown Podcast Network. Um, look, it's a, it's a holiday. It's a big one. And first things first, be smart. Look, we're not out of the woods yet. So please keep that in mind. I know everybody is, you know, itching to get back to normalcy, but we're still kind of crawling back to that to Kevin. Uh, Kevin, it's been a fun ride here over the last couple of years. Obviously getting to know you a little bit better. Uh, talk about these teams, you know, give you a little jab here every now and then. Uh, like when maybe the, um, you know, power rankings drop and there might be an arrow down. And I just kind of told you it was a precursor maybe to this Sunday. Uh, but look, it's going to be a fun one Sunday night. There's no way around it. Uh, you know, the history between these two franchises, it's never going to go away. And, you know, as the Browns try to, you know, climb up the ranks within this division and Baltimore doing everything they can to basically keep everybody else at bay. Um, it's fun. It's a great rivalry. Um, I just want a good I, I just want to see what this team is capable of, for Browns-wise. Um, but for everybody, look, it, it, it's it's a great time of the year here. We're into basically the money part of the year. The AFC North, look, the playoffs have started in the AFC North. It's over. Uh, you know, Each loss could be absolutely demoralizing. Um, each win could be huge. And it's not even so much the AFC North as it is the entire AFC because each week it goes up, down. I mean, you see the fluctuation in the AFC week in, week out, and you get so many like, whoa, what just happened? You know, last week, obviously, Houston and Tennessee. So it's going to be a fun ride here over the next, I'm just make sure here, one, two, three, four, six more weeks um, as we get used to this uh, you know new schedule here in the NFL this year. Uh, but, Kevin, always a pleasure. All the best to you and your family. Have a great Thanksgiving. Yeah, you as well, Jeff. And it's always a pleasure. And the AFC North is such an unpredictable division this year, so I'm excited to see how it all plays out.